Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they pushed themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Jackie Simmons as our special guest. Author and TEDx speaker Jackie Simmons believes in tackling complex and challenging topics and making sense out of them. As the creator of Conscious Transformational Coaching, Jackie believes that you deserve to experience yourself as great every session, every time. Jackie shares alternatives to get you unstuck, find out what's true, what's not true, spot the elephant in the room so that you can have what you want and what you deserve. Life doesn't always give us time to experience ourselves as great. Life often hands us the opposite. On April 1st, 2020, Jackie and her three daughters co-founded the nonprofit Teen Suicide Prevention Society and launched the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. The mission has grown to include two books, three programs, and the talk that saves lives, which Jackie presented on January 16th, 2021 at TEDx Tanaya Paseo in Las Vegas. Jackie, we're honored to have you join our podcast today. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking. Well, it's pretty simple for me to expand my thinking. All I have to do is pick up a book. My two authors that are expanding my brain currently are Sean Aker. He gave the funniest TEDx talk of all time. He's the happiness professor from Harvard. And the other is a gentleman named J.W. Wilson. And J.W. published a book that is about 18 times thicker than what most people are writing these days. It's called Cracking Your Cracking the Learning Code. And that book is a game changer, I believe, because it speaks to the fact that we all have our own unique intelligence. It's not five intelligences or seven intelligences. It is over seven billion different ways to learn. Each of us has our own unique style. And I think that's a game changer. He also, both authors have one very common belief and that's we're not supposed to do it alone. Mm. I, Jackie, I first uh, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. And I love the universe sometimes because I just held up in a meeting yesterday Sean's book on the happiness factor. <laughs> and isn't that, I mean, I'm, wow. Um, so I want to talk about that one first. What is, because we're talking about it with a, with a client for a meeting that they're having in a couple of weeks. Oh. What, 
what do you, and I've seen his Ted talk and he's, he's hilarious. And I love that. Cause that's the sister that falls out of the, the bunk bed, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. His sister, the unicorn. Yes. The, <laughs> what, um, what do you love from the book so far? Like what is one just kind of takeaway? I love that you said, you know, we're not alone, but something from the happiness, the book what okay, is so- that speaks to you. There are three books. I'm in the third one from Sean. The first mm-hmm. one was The Happiness Advantage. The second was Big Potential. Yes. Now, yeah, that right. kind of rewrote my brain as far as how to reward people, how to build a team. And then now I'm reading Before Happiness. And Sean did something that most authors don't do. Sean called himself out for the fact that what he wrote, some of the things he wrote in his first book, he now has evidence that says, well, actually it works this way better. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's done some course correcting, which I love because mm-hmm. what I do is really a lesson in improv mm-hmm. yeah, because I work behind people's eyes and between people's ears. And I never know how a session is going to turn out when I get started. I just know there are certain things I can guarantee. And Sean guarantees that he will continue to research and continue to bring all of that forward on the subject of how do you get your brain on positive? Mm-hmm. What, um, and I love that it's the evolution of it. And so mm-hmm. you write a book and you learn something that the world changes too. And you have to take in that feedback and go, huh? Yeah, it is different now. I've read something different or times are different. Um, and I'm at a different level of consciousness about it. What is, Jackie, you mentioned in Big Potential. So I appreciate you're really, this is the universe telling me I have to read the two books that I bought since I haven't. Um, and what in Big Potential, you said there was this kind of it rewired your brain in a bit on how to motivate the, the teams. What was that one nugget that you pulled from it? That the way that we had been trained to believe that um, even in nature, that, you know, it's survival of the fittest. And that was the evolution theory that I um, had handed to me when I was in school. And now what his research and several other people's research has come to light with is that it is not survival of the fittest. It is survival of those that fit best together. Mm. That it's, we talk about your talent portfolio and it's Mm. to your point, it's all how you put that portfolio together. We might, we might be a great portfolio for this group or this business, but not for the other one or whatever problem or, or, or issue they're tackling. Well, how did that then with this, with the um, book on intelligence, what was that? You said like, aha, we, there's 7 billion intelligence types. What have you, how have you even applied that with your practice and just in your life learning from that book? There's a saying that says you can look around you and the five people who you spend the most time with, that's going to be indicative of Mm -hmm. your level of success, your level of income, those kinds of things. And both Sean Aker's book, Big Potential, and J.W. Wilson's book, Cracking the Learning Code, debunk that. It's not who you're spending your time with. It's how well you fit in with them. 
Because if you've got a village and everybody in the village is a hunter, that village is not going to be very viable. Yes. You need a hunter and a gatherer and you know the every different aspect. And so it's a I know there are a lot of new programs out in HR since I spent my time as an HR consultant that speak to this about building a team that is consciously diverse. What these books did for me was help my brain understand why that works. Mm. And so for my own team, um, I use very specific tools. Actually, even for the people who are come into my coaching certification program, I have them get their human design and their mind type. And we use those to make sure that we communicate with the way people learn. And when I'm helping someone build their business marketing, that they are doing their marketing and their messaging in a way that is in alignment, not with their ideal client, which is what most of the things I was taught led me towards, right? but in alignment with who they are and how they best interact with the world themselves. Mm. Mm. So they can I, create their village. I, I, uh, I was just thinking when you were talking about that, and it's kind of this basic tenet of nature loves diversity. Mm-hmm. And so why wouldn't we? And then the talent and figuring out again, that kind of best fit and where you can do um, your best work and your highest work and be engaged. And I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jackie. We could talk, this is where we joke, Jackie, that we could talk about just this part of the podcast the entire time. And then there's a big question that we want to ask. <laughs> so, well, we can so talk about like, what have you learned? And oh my goodness, this is so much fun. But we always have to stop and say, okay, here's the big question. Um, so what is what is the decision that that you made or was kind of made for you or that moment in your life that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charge qualities that you use to help you through it? I love the question. And I'll be honest, I have the polite, politically correct answer. Boo. Oh, sorry. First. <laughs> and the, the decision I made was to tackle something that was so big that I knew I couldn't do it alone. And this is mm-hmm. before I'd read either one of those books. I didn't realize what I was setting myself up for. The mission to stop teen suicide was bigger than I could do alone. That was a big deal. I've been a solopreneur, practitioner, and a teacher and trainer all of my, almost all of my adult career. And now to tackle something where I was going to have to consciously lead a team and allow people to help me and to support me and, 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 yeah, Um, it was a big undertaking for me to make that shift. And that's really not the answer to your question. (laughs) The answer to your question, the decision that made it change my life was when I decided to allow myself to be visible, (gasps) not for who I thought the world wanted me to be, because I was pretty Mm. good at that, Mm. but for who I really am. Mm. And that was the decision that was handed to me because I did not go looking for a TEDx stage. Not my thing. Stage fright was my thing, even though I've had speaker training. What they said was, we want you to take the stage if and only if you will talk about how to stop teen suicide. Because by then I had started to understand how to put together the talk that saves lives, 
and we were teaching people to be advocates for living. And we were just making the shift from suicide prevention, the way most people talk about it, which is intervention in my mind, you know, because suicide prevention programs only kick in when you know somebody's at risk. Right, right. So we looked at that model. We tried that model. We didn't get any traction there. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up and went, well, no wonder. That's not prevention. Prevention would be to get so far upstream that you're not trying to prevent suicide, but you're trying to prevent suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in someone's head. Mm. And that sent me on this um, not being mainstream because I embrace what Freud said, which is suicidal thoughts are normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. They're part of our natural negative bias and our worst case scenario problem solving mechanism. It's only when they get stuck. So we looked at why they get stuck, how they get stuck and how to prevent. We call it putting on emotional Teflon. Mm. So emotions can slide around and they don't get stuck. And the thinking that creates them doesn't get stuck. Mm. Jackie, you mentioned the the visible, like mm-hmm. you being visible. So you know I want to dig into that. Yeah, yeah, but, I thought so. <laughs> what, I guess, like, did you kind of know that it, you weren't feeling as visible before this TED Talk? Or this TED Talk really, like, shook you and went, wait a second, I need to, like, be more visible, like, like meld these kind of what I'm feeling and and what people are seeing from me? Well, I'll give you the journey of my TEDx script. Yeah. When I was first asked, the stage was set for May of 2020. Okay. And I had a TEDx coach assigned to me, they're volunteers. And I got a lot of really positive feedback on my talk from my peers. And then my TEDx coach called me out privately and said, Mm. Jack, your talk is tactical and Mm. not vulnerable. Wow. And you've got a chance to do something significant with this stage, but you're not going to stand up there and tell people the 800 number to call because I was stuck on suicide intervention when I started. So I rewrote it. And COVID shut down the stage. Mm -hmm. I was elated. I put that TEDx script (laughs) into a drawer and went on my merry way trying to teach people how to have the talk that saves lives. And then at the end of 2020, I got told, okay, we've got a stage. We've got a date. It'll be a hybrid. You're you're still going to come to Las Vegas. You know, still going to be a Las Vegas stage. And I'm like, ugh. And they gave me a new coach. (laughs) And the more I worked with my script, the more I hated it. Mm. So I called uh, my friend, Roger. Roger used to organize TEDx stages. And I said, you hey, Roger, would you read my script? Because, you know, I've got a new date and give me some feedback. And he read my script and he called me up and he's got this great Irish accent. And he's like, Jackie, you know, you've got really good content, but you're not going to inspire anyone. Yeah, it doesn't really inspire me. Will you help me? And he said, only if you get permission, because now we're three weeks before stage. Oh, my goodness. And they don't usually allow people to rip apart a script three weeks before stage. Yeah. But my organizer, much to her credit, um, Sarah said yes. Okay. And Roger worked with me. We took it all apart. And he says, you're going to have to tell the story. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I did. You know, we were a typical middle-class American family. And then my daughter tried to kill herself. He's like, Jackie, that's not the story. Mm. You, know, you have to take people into that day. I'm mm. like, Roger, there was nothing about that day. It was a perfectly normal day until there was nothing normal about my life. You know, there yeah. is no story. Yeah. And he's like, uh, there's a story. And you know, I'm like, well, I don't remember it. It was just a day. So he asked me if I could ask my daughter. And I called up my daughter, Stephanie. You know, Stephanie, I'm doing the TEDx talk. Uh, they want me to tell the story. Mm. And she's like, yeah, mom, I'm not surprised. And I'm like, um, Stephanie, I don't remember. And it was the longest, probably two second pause of my life. And Stephanie started laughing. And I'm like, what? She And when she stopped, I mean, she was belly laughing. When she stopped laughing, she said, mom, it was the shopping. And then I remembered. And that story got told on the TEDx stage. And the real story about how the movement got started, which I did not start the movement. Mm. My daughter, Stephanie. Yeah, she did. She did. On August the 3rd, 2019, she delivered a seven-minute message that matters at my event shocking the hell out of me, pardon my language, but I was in the back of the room and I had no idea she was going to talk about suicide. And I had no idea she was going to talk about her own suicide avoidant journey is what we call it now. And it was that talk, the subsequent dive into the world of teen suicide numbers and what was going on that people weren't talking about it. And then ripping my script, you know, telling, deciding that, yeah, okay, I will tell this story. Mm. There's a moment of willingness to be seen for all that I am. Mm. And it took a support system. It took me learning even more techniques to work with my own brain, to get my brain on positive so that I didn't get stuck in the language of my childhood, you know, you don't air your dirty laundry in public and mm-hmm. what will the neighbors think mm-hmm. and all of the stories that I had been raised with. Yeah. It was more about breaking faith with the fundamentals of my family mm-hmm. to allow myself to be seen for all that I am, including being the mother of a suicidal child. And she survived. I'm very blessed. From the ages of 14 to when she took the stage, she was 37. When she gave her talk, she had survived 14 attempts. Wow. And sharing that, going, it was the shopping. It was not a huge cataclysmic traumatic. It was the awareness that for her, not fitting into any clothes was proof in her her brain that she didn't fit in anywhere in the world. Wow. Such a simple thing, shopping. Like, yeah. yeah. Such a simple thing. And she was under professional care for the entire time. And that professional care could not stop her from falling back into hitting suicidal, what Mm -hmm. I call now the state of ultimate self-sabotage, 
where dying makes more sense than continuing to try to live. Mm -hmm. We've learned that people don't attempt to take their own lives because they're trying to die. They attempt Mm -hmm. to take their own lives because they haven't figured out how to live. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are focused. What if you knew how to live? What if you said, okay, this is what looks like the best idea, which is why we do anything, right? You know, it seems like the best idea at the time. And just that moment will pass. But you have to have the experience of having some emotional resilience. So when you said, what is the charge thing that I need to ask about? It's emotional resilience. Mm. It's it's all that I want to teach now is the fact that we are designed by Mother Nature to bounce and not break. Mm -hmm. And we don't know that anymore because Mm -hmm. we've got a philosophy that I see that is showing up over and over again that you can do life wrong. And I don't think that's true. I think that's a myth worth busting. Mm. I And again, we go back to uh, nature again, Jackie, diversity and nature and resiliency. So mm-hmm. when you study nature and you see how plants can bounce back or they come back from fires and, and things like that. But I want to ask you, because I want to get into some some of your wonderful advice too. But how we have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and are on the podcast and really talk about this, the big V vulnerability and how you can kind of let go. Cause you're right. So much the parenting society don't air your dirty laundry. We don't talk about that. Um, how did you, and what kind of advice do you have for someone to make that shift and be like, you know what? I need to share my story. I need it to be visible and I need to, be vulnerable and it's going to be okay. Like what's some of that beautiful advice that, that you've, that you've learned and you want others to, to take with them and understand that vulnerability and sharing. Don't do it. Don't Don't do it. it. Don't take a stage. Don't tell your story until after you have erased the emotional trauma from it. Mm. In my world, we have a prime directive in my company. No one gets re-traumatized on our watch. Mm. And I believe that being encouraged or suggested that you tell your story, that you publish it in a book because it's so cathartic, I think it is damaging. Mm. My own experience, having survived two bouts of clinical depression, is that every time I started with a new mental health professional, I had to tell the whole story again and it would set me back. Mm. And what I didn't understand then that I do understand now is that it's not the events of the past. It's the meaning that I had assigned to those Mm. events. And once I understood how to shift the meaning, and by the way, this is what I do every week. I do a free one hour masterclass on Zoom, anywhere in the world, come in. It's busting your limiting beliefs. Because it wasn't that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. It was the fact that I had assigned a meaning to the events of my past that said there was something wrong with me. Mm. So Jackie, how, because I love what you said. It's the, because you're right, the the actual event, it, mm, right? That's, that's, it's the event, but it's all the meaning. It's the baggage. It's everything. So how, besides attending your masterclass for sure, what else could people 
do to start to kind of not remove themselves from the event, but understanding the meaning and starting to unpack that and figure it out so they can get to the place where you're at and speaking and helping others because that's where they want to get. They don't want to be stuck in it. They want to maybe help others or manage it. The, the first thing to do is to embrace the idea that you can't do it wrong, that you didn't mm-hmm. do it wrong, that there have that, you know, it's not that you made a mistake. It's that things happen that were yucky. Mm-hmm. Things happen that are yucky. Deciding that, okay, things happen that are yucky. And what if I don't have to be afraid anymore? Mm. That's really what vulnerability is, is the fear of dying. That's the root of it. You know, I'm vulnerable to a disease. I'm afraid I'm going to die. And we, I believe at no matter which adaptation, we are absorbed in a cultural fear now that we could do it wrong, that we could be ostracized, that we could be voted off the island. You know, we now have cute names for this in our culture. And I don't think it's funny. I think we are actually focusing on the wrong part of our brain. We are reinforcing the negativity. So the first thing I suggest to everybody, if you want to go on this journey, focus on what puts your brain on positive. Mm. Even as people talk about gratitude practices and as wonderful as they are, I prefer something called active gratitude. And active gratitude is get your brain on positive and provides evidence that you are a powerful person. And here's how it works. You look around your room, you look around, and when you see something that makes you smile, you give your, even if it's another person, you give yourself appreciation, not the other person, not the item, not whoever gave it to you, but yourself, because that item or that other person could not be in your life except for a decision you made and an action you took. So you give yourself the appreciation and you'll start to build up a body of evidence that says, wow, look at what a great job I have done with my life. Mm. And that's a game changer. I, that is, I love you turning it on its head that way because it's how to build first. I don't want to lose the thread that you talked about that fear. Mm -hmm. And so the fear of, I've posted something, I've, I'm removed, I'm voted off the island, I'm canceled, all that. Like it is such, to your point, a fear-based and that just triggers your brain consistently of fear. And that is not a good state to be in, as you and I know, that's the fight or flight, that's mm-hmm. cortisol, that's racing. You don't make the best decisions in that. So I love that you're, you got to flip it and got to start laying down that positivity and that gratitude because I do that with my son And, but how do you change it to like, and you're grateful for yourself because that's just building you. That's so wonderful, Jackie. What is there another advice? I felt like you had more and I want to cut you off. It's okay. Um, Just wait, there's more. I'm like that old Ginsu knife commercial. I'm like, I know there's more. And I feel like I'm in your amen circle because I just keep wanting to say amen. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like a backup dancer for you right now, Jackie. So <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So yes, and there's more, Jackie. Please tell us. <laughs> when we talk about being vulnerable, I think the greatest, um, greatest is not quite the wrong word. I think the biggest pit of vulnerability 
is when we are afraid of other people's judgments, opinions, and expectations, Mm -hmm. that we're not going to meet other people's expectations, that they're going to judge us, which was one of my fears. I'd be judged as a bad mom, you know, Mm -hmm. and that other people's judgments, opinions, and expectations. I call it riding an elephant named Joe. Other people's judgments, opinions, and expectations. (laughs) Getting down off of Joe means that you have to get up on another elephant. And the elephant I recommend that you ride is your own sense of judgment. Are you willing to judge yourself as being good enough? And I can guarantee that I can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that every decision you have ever made has been good enough. Mm -hmm. You're here. That means every decision you've ever made from an evolutionary point of view has been good enough. Mm -hmm. You're still here. Mm -hmm. From that one piece of incontrovertible evidence, you can start building your own sense of judgment about, oh, I didn't do it wrong. I may not choose to do it that way again, but that doesn't mean it has to be wrong. Mm. It was right at the moment that I did it. It was the best idea I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And just that basic understanding will help people get their own judgment where they trust it more. I'm a big believer in the one person you need to know, like, and trust is not the person you're going to buy something from. It's you. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to know, like, and trust yourself. So trusting your own judgment is simply as as simple as saying, hey, everything I've ever decided was good enough. And I know that's true because I'm here. Mm -hmm. My opinions are my opinions. They are subject to change as I get more information. And they're just mine. I don't even have to share them with other people. I believe in assertiveness training for saying things like, you might be right. When other people have an opinion that's different than mine, I just tell them they might be right. It's absolutely true, even if the odds are really teeny tiny and small. Uh, they don't need to know that part. The It gives me a place that's safe for me to have an opinion without getting into a disagreement. Mm. And when it comes to expectations, we set our expectations in ways that don't make a lot of sense in a, culturally to my brain now that I've dove it, yeah, dove into this. <laughs> the ability to expect that I'm going to wake up every day in a great mood, able to give 100%, it's an unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. And there are things I can do to improve the odds that even if I don't wake up in a great mood, the first action I take can put my brain on positive. Mm-hmm. It shift me into a state of gratitude and self-appreciation. All I have to do is keep my gratitude journal by my bed, get up every morning and read it before I go to before I get up. And read it before I go to sleep at night so that I bookend my brain when the brain is the most malleable, the most ability for it to mold. If I bookend it with positivity, then the odds are I'm going to have a more positive experience of life in general and certainly a better day. Mm. I want to emphasize, Jackie, one thing that you said that I remember one of my friends said to me, God, I had to be like 20 years ago and it's always stuck. 
is that you made the best decision you did in the time, in the moment you, you made it and you had all the information and that's the decision you made. And so this whole Monday morning quarterback and going back and I should have, and I should have, it's like, nope, you made your decision with the best information you had at the time. And like, that's okay. And I think what you said is you made that decision. Maybe I wouldn't make it again the same way, Mm -hmm. but I made that decision in the time. And so to allow that you've been speaking about kind of allowing yourself that grace and being giving yourself that grace. And we just don't, we don't do it for other people quite often when they make a mistake and we often don't do it for ourselves. And so I love that message that you, that you're giving around kind of understanding yourself and evolving and and giving yourself that grace. And make it a practice. Yes. Make it a practice because we're being flooded with negativity. We're being flooded with opportunities to judge ourselves. You know, we're told by marketing messaging And a lot of it is neuro-linguistic programming based, which is the only reason I ever studied it was so I could recognize when it was being used against me. (laughs) Focusing on anything that you choose to focus on versus what you're being told to focus on by other people. Just that one thing that says, oh, wait a minute, is this my choice? When you hear yourself being um, less than positive, in how you talk about yourself, asking the question, whose voice is this? Where did I get the idea that I needed to be a size six when, you know, I'm showing up as a size 16 in this lifetime? You know, where did this idea come from? And once you start noticing that it didn't come from inside of you, it came from the marketing messages that you've been exposed to Mm -hmm. and flipping what you expose yourself to. I'm a firm believer in Choose who you give permission to brainwash you. (laughs) Consciously choose because you are being brainwashed every minute of every day. When you chose to listen to this podcast, you're being brainwashed by what we talk about on this podcast. Yep. And so choose who are you going to give permission to, to brainwash you? Yeah. Yeah. And don't let anybody tell you that there's something wrong with unplugging from major media because your brain on positive has a real challenge if you are constantly bombarded with the negative news that they know motivates people in ways that make us spend more money. Mm -hmm. The more negative messages you get, the more likely you are to overspend, overeat, over anything, Mm -hmm. because that's how we handle stress. Yep. I was going to say, Jackie, they don't call it like happy scrolling. They call it doom scrolling, right? Mm. So, so this is like what, to your point, then that, that, that gets us to overdo things because it makes us sad and depressed and just like, oh, but I was going to say, Kelly, um, Kelly's being brainwashed right now, Kelly. I love (laughs) that you said that. I love that you said that, Jackie. I'm like, you are a hundred percent right. So you got to call it out be like, all right, I'm brainwashing. So what has washed over your brain, Kelly? Do you like that segue? What has washed mm-hmm. over your brain, Kelly, listening to in, like just incredible um, motivational uh, topics from Jackie? Well, it's incredible. The story that you, that you've shared, I mean, about your daughter, number one, and how you've taken her experience and turned it into this crusade, really, to educate and really provide um, 
a true lesson to us all of what suicide really is. I mean, truly, I, I, I mean, at one point I was in tears as you were, you know, sharing her story, your story, um, and the journey it took to get you here. Um, so your vulnerability is just incredible. How is your daughter and how is the, the, um, nonprofit doing? The nonprofit is, and I'll answer both questions the same way. We're still doing, Mm -hmm. we're still doing, we are just now going, all right, maybe we should look at some funding rather than bootstrapping (laughs) this, you know? Um, and that's why I turned my attention back to my own company and made the commitment that 20% of all of my revenue, not my profit, but my top line revenue is donated to the Teen Suicide mm. Prevention Society. We created a membership where for $27 a month, people can be part of the mission to make teen suicide a thing of the past. And we've partnered with an organization in the Mukuru slums of Nairobi, Kenya, And they have taken up the Teen Suicide Prevention Society methods because their suicide rate made ours look like nothing and ours is really bad. 25% of American young adults are now known to be struggling with suicidal thinking at any given Mm. time. One out of every four teenagers is Mm. struggling to stay alive. Mm. So we've got some challenges ahead of us. And the biggest one is just to have more people like you who are willing to stand up and say, yeah, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, and we're heretics. I mean, we are, we believe suicide prevention is fun because we're talking pure prevention. We're not talking about waiting for signs. We think that's looking for trouble. We help teens suicide proof their friends. We call it emotional cage fighting. You know, we will get in and get down with this whole topic because the real challenge is that if you don't talk about it, you are more at risk for the action than Mm -hmm. if you do. Who knew? Exactly. I mean, just so incredibly powerful. Um, Jackie, just your energy around, you know, this topic and and just the, the clarity with which you speak about it. Um, I mean, I've just had so many profound moments in hearing how you, you, you broach the subject, you make it palpable for people, um, who I think would otherwise be like, oh, well, I don't know what to say. And it just seems, it, it seems almost overwhelming to talk about it with somebody. Cause where do you start? I have to go to a medical professional. No. You make it very, <laughs> I, I mean, right. I mean, I just, you know, again, you make it so palpable, um, and you offer some very practical tools which I think makes it, I mean, the active gratitude piece, I mean, just in a day-to-day for me personally, um, I mean, that's something that I'm definitely going to take advantage of because I, I think just life gets difficult. I mean, we all, the pandemic has kind of forced us into behaviors that we maybe didn't expect to do and live a certain way. Um, this has just been such a profound, it's had such a profound impact on me personally. And I know our listeners are going to be that much richer in their knowledge for having listened to you, um, on our, on this episode. So we'll include all of the resources, Jackie, um, that you listed. Um, and of course, um, please reach out to Jackie, uh, to learn more. And of course, we'll include the link to your masterclass. We would love to include that as well, Jackie, so people can listen and learn. And please make a donation as well. I can't think of a more noble cause to give, um, to donate to than, than to this. I mean, just a profound, 
experience. And we thank you, Jackie, so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.